So those of you who are doing this peer review with a parent at home, what you need to do to get credit for this works for this peer review is to have a parent listen to this recording with you with all the handouts that I mentioned in the recording and peer review this following the instructions within this recording and then you just need to upload photos of your peer-reviewed pages. I know it'll be a lot. <laughs> upload photos of your peer-reviewed pages to the assignment that is called engagement in the peer review for headings one through three of the literature review. So upload those photos. And as soon as you've uploaded those photos and I can see evidence of your parent having sat with you and highlighted things accordingly and giving you that feedback accordingly and filled out your grading rubric, um, once I see evidence of that, then I'll give you credit for engaging in the peer review as it were. So let me know if you have any questions uh, about that. And I'll probably put this section at the very beginning of the podcast episode so you know what you're supposed to do. But uh, again, I'm looking for rubric scores from your parent. I'm looking for highlighting. I'm looking for feedback and evidence of you having gone through... Uh, this process with somebody in your life who cares about you and is willing to put in the time necessary to ensure that your paper is awesome and you don't feel behind or overwhelmed or like you've missed something big. Okay, bye. Thanks. Bye. So we're giving the paper in front of us a hundred percent of our effort today, right? Because this is hopefully the last time we're going to talk about the headings for this paper. Our next peer review is going to be for the whole paper. So if you have all three headings done, take a look at the green outline here. The, yeah, the neon green outline. Let me see it in front of your beautiful face. Let's see it right in front of your face, the face, your face, the outline. Yes. But you would have to turn it, you know what I mean, so you could see the outline. Bloop. Bloop. <laughs> You got to portrait it. That's upside down. You got to portrait it and not landscape it. Um, yeah, but you are looking at the other side. Why you be difficult like that? No good reason. Um, okay, so, so, you've done the three headings in the middle. Remember, we write big fat papers inside out because it helps us create a better encapsulation on the bookends. Okay, so what do you have left to write before Tuesday? What do you have left to write? Big fat introduction. What else? Conclusion. And what else? Well, that's the conclusion. You're missing one part that's kind of sort of part of the conclusion, but we, need, we, we must not forget it. Areas of further inquiry. Okay? So keep in mind that the areas of further inquiry sound scary, but it's honestly just looking at the experts that you've dis like that you've researched on your topic what areas still need to be researched what areas still need to be uh discussed in order for this conversation to be fully encapsulated right and in an academic situation your literature review this literature review would serve as the jumping off point for your own academic research so you don't want to recreate the research that other people have done you want to fill in the gaps of the research that's already been done the areas of further inquiry is the jumping off point for your research yourself your academic research that you will conduct so the areas of further inquiry seems like a throwaway point right now but in academia, the whole point of a literature review is to get to that areas of further inquiry and then you address the areas of further inquiry with years of research that are paid for by a big corporation so you're beholden to them in terms of your results and it gets murky from there.
But just so you know, the areas of further inquiry seems throwaway, but it doesn't. And what areas of further inquiry needs to be, does it say two or three that are required? Three? Does it say two or three? Look at the outline that I made you put right in front of your face. Three, right? So areas of further inquiry, you need to have what areas need to be, oops, my turn. What areas need to be inquired upon and then why? So a lot of people are good with like stating what areas need to be further inquired upon, but they don't explain why. So you got to have both pieces for all three things. So far so good? Okay. The other thing that you must, must, must include is what now or else it's cheating? The works cited page. Some of you came through right away, and that's what I've been looking for all along, and it took us this long to get there. Yeah. So what what else do we need to include, or else it's cheating? Works there cited. you go, right? So now that we have the whole paper, we got to have that work cited. So you're going to come in with a pretty hefty chunk of dead trees. Am I right? Like pretty serious. So it's going to have a heading, a four-line heading. It's going to have page numbers that are consistent. It's going to have the works cited page. And you're going to make sure that you meet the word count, I mean the page number minimum for this assignment. Most of you will have zero problem doing that. If you follow the outline as I have given it to you and you have every component, you should have literally zero problem meeting that page minimum. Zero. The all, So if you're not meeting, what's that? What's the page minimum? It's... No, 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 no. Six to eight. Oh, if it's on that little bookmark. Yeah. So some of you are already over that now, right? So you're good. But the thing is, we're going to learn how to like fulfill the requirements while staying inside the page requirements later on the next paper. But for now, if you go over the page minimum, we're not worried about that. Okay, we're not freaking out about that. What's more important right now is that you learn to address the required components on the heading, and then we'll work on making that clear and concise in 2015. So far, so good? Yes? Okay. Um, uh, the problem with the introductions. So here's the thing. You have to have a little mini introduction for each heading, and that little mini introduction is supposed to cover everything that that person needs to know in the heading. But then, after everything, you're supposed to write a big fat introduction that encapsulates the whole topic. So you might run into this game where you're like, I don't want it to be redundant. So I, you, kind, you might have to pick and choose and make some decisions and do triage where this introductory piece of information actually belongs in the overall introduction. And so you move it from your heading introduction to the overall introduction. Or you might say, this, I had it in the overall introduction, but it makes more sense to just put it in this heading. So you might have to do a little mixeroony when it comes to introductory information because ask yourself, does it belong in a big umbrella overview of the whole topic? Or does that introductory information belong in an overview of just that heading? So you have to start making some triage decisions there, and that's part of the assignment moving forward for next time. So far, so good? Okay, so with that being said, we're going to look at our friend's paper. And we're going to make sure that we're just complying with MLA, but we're going to try to rush through the MLA because we want to get to the meat and potatoes of what they've written here. So far, so good. So the first thing is page number, top right-hand corner, a half inch from the top of the page and a full inch from the far right-hand side of the page. It's in toe point times New Roman, has the, just their last name, capitalized the first letter of their last name. Kennedy, you got to look at the paper. Um, and then a space, no comma, and the page number. Make sure that the page numbers increase by one each subsequent page. Double check there. Not too shabby. So remember, we're highlighting everything 
even if it's done well, we're highlighting what I'm talking about just so the person whose paper you had knows that you looked at that, right? So you still highlight and then we don't ever highlight without then also giving feedback. So even if it's just a check, like they did it well, or feedback for what they need to fix, some sort of feedback there. So highlight everything I mention and then give feedback on it because I need them to know that it's been considered by somebody else. So far so good? Okay. Then if they have a four line heading, make sure the four line heading complies. Some people don't have it and it's not the end of the world right now. So we're not gonna spend a whole ton of time on it. But what we do need to talk about is these titles. And I'm gonna be honest with you, these titles have been giving you more problems than I had hoped. Okay, so first of all, you should have one title for each of your headings. We don't need subheading titles within the headings. Just one title for each of the headings, right? So how many, hold up on your fingies, how many titles should you see on this so far? I love that for you, I love that for you. Okay, so these headings should all be centered. 12 point times New Roman, no bold, no italics, nothing fun. Just make sure, and we've had a lot of this slip by peer reviewers, so double check that all the important words are capitalized for each title. Some people be capitalizing that first word, but nothing else. That's APA stuff. And we're not even there yet. So make sure the first letter of every important word is capitalized. And even if the first word of the title is not important, it still needs to be capitalized if it's the first word that shows up in the title. As you're reading those titles, make sure there's no first person pronouns or second person pronouns like we should embrace AI. We should do away with the pharmaceutical system. None of that. And then make sure that none of their titles are questions. We never ever put a title in the form of a question for several reasons that I won't go into now, but it's a big fat no-no on several ends of the academic writing spectrum. Also, while you're flipping through those pages, double check that all of their paragraphs are indented. If they're not indented, they just need to mess around with how they're downloading that file to the device and so on. Also double check that there are no additional spaces between paragraphs. All of the lines should be equidistant regardless of whether or not it's a new paragraph or whatnot. Have you guys noticed, just real quick, how much better and faster you are at peer reviewing at the start of term two than you were at the start of term one? You just get real good. Your skill set gets real, real, the, the, uh, Learning curve is real, real high. You get real, a lot better real fast. That's good. So uh, also under the umbrella of MLA are the margins and the justification. So make sure on the left-hand side, there's a straight line. Everything lines up except for the indented lines on the left-hand side, but everything is jagged on the right-hand side. Sometimes people accidentally center stuff after the title and they forget to put it back into left-hand justification and also some people accidentally put it into full justification rather than left justification and that's a no-no's and then for MLA the two other factors of MLA that we have to look at is how they formatted their titles of their sources so hold up on your fingies how many titles if we have all three headings and two sources per heading <coughs> minimum how many source titles should we have so far hold it up on your fingers <coughs> two sources per heading and three headings we have six source titles so first of all if you don't find six source titles <laughs> either you're not looking hard enough or they did not do it right one of those so we're gonna go in and highlight the source titles 
making sure that we include the punctuation around the source title. So highlight all six source titles and put a number by each of them so you're making sure that you've got six. At the very least, we're checking that they've mentioned the correct number of sources. Highlight each source title. And number one, we're checking that it's present. And number two, we're checking that it's formatted correctly. 90% of the time, the source titles are gonna be capitalized, all important words capitalized, and in quotation marks. If there's a title, if there's a comma after the source title, it should be inside the quotation marks, unless the source title is ending the sentence, in which case a citation might need to be there. There's only like a 2% amount of time where the comma should go outside the quotation marks or the punctuation should go outside the quotation marks. Most of the time, punctuation is tucked into the quotation marks. So again, for these source titles, <coughs> we're looking that there are six of them, that they are capitalized correctly, and that they are formatted correctly in either quotation marks, which will be 90% of the time, or italics, which is a small 10% of the time, and that any punctuation following that is inside the quotation marks unless it's directly followed by an in-text parenthetical citation. And then, this math is a little bit more difficult, so let's think it through. If there are two sources in every heading, and if there are two sources in every heading, tell me minimum how many in-text parenthetical citations do you need per heading? So hold it up on your fingers. How many minimum in-text citations do you need per heading? Per heading. Oh. Minimum in-text citations per heading. Why is it four? Exactly right. Love that for you. And so total, if there's minimum four in-text citations per heading, there could be more though if you keep mentioning their ideas and you need to cite them, right? But minimum four in-text citations per heading, how many in-text citations should you find in all three headings combined? There's three headings, four citations minimum per heading. It's not 10. 
12 because you know multiplication tables you guys yeah 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 yeah. so get out your highlighter and i need you to highlight every in-text citation including the punctuation before and after it every in-text citation including and number one we're checking to see that the citations are there if they don't have enough citations we have minimum problems like just with compliance problems but then once you check that they do have all the citations count them put a number by them so you can keep count once you do check that they have the minimum number of citations, then double check that those citations are formatted correctly. And keep in mind, if the citation is for one author, here's what it should look like after a quote. If the citation is for two authors, here's what it should look like after the quote. Three authors, here's what it should look like after the quote. If the citation is not after a quote, here's what it should look like, including that punctuation. Please make sure that you're triple checking, not only that the citation is correct, but that the punctuation before and after it is also correct. No floor punctuation until after citation. But yes, ceiling punctuation before citation. It's very confusion. Yeah. So, like, in mine, I've done a quote. Uh huh. But within the source it had like another person that has said it so yeah what do I do about the author too I didn't know what to do so I just put them both right? the first and best answer is when you're trying to quote a quote within a quote find another quote okay that's answer number one number two what MLA says is just go to that source and quote the original source yeah. for the original quote okay. that's option number two but if you're in this place and you really can't go back cite the person who said the quote in your sentence so um, you would say Kim and Baker used so-and-so uh, used a quote from so-and-so as an example in their text so-and-so okay. so, so do uh, it's called a narrative citation for the quote within the quote and then keep the ending parenthetical citation with the authors that quoted the quote I know it's crazy but now you can start seeing why the best thing to do is just never do that yes yeah yeah Thank you. We've double checked citations. Am I correct? <clears throat> I love that for us. Okay, I'm giving you time. Yeah. Oh, that's a never. That's a never. So a combined citation looks like this, y'all. Like if you're citing two of your sources at the same time. Oh, no. This is what it looks like. So say like I have two sources <laughs> So the in-text citation for two say like my sources um, the first source, let's just say that that's the Hernandez et al. 
So the first source is that first citation. Then you use a semicolon and do the second citation. Let's say that it's Jones and uh, Jacobs. You just write there. Jacobs uh, timestamp or whatever it is, right? So a double citation where you're referring to two different things at the same, two different sources in the same sentence. It's a combination citation using a, a semicolon to separate the two. Technically, you should alphabetize them, but we're, that's not the hill we're going to die on. We're already splitting hairs. You know what I'm saying? That's only if it's like they not if they both have quotes if you're if you're mentioning ideas from both so it's it that would happen in the synthesis section right like when you're mentioning ideas from two different sources in the same sentence and you feel like you need to cite both sources you don't do two separate parenthetical citations you do a combination citation where both citations are combined and keep them exactly the way that it was it's just that you separate them with a semicolon and not two different parentheses So far, so good? Okay, so give your friend a score in MLA on this rubric. And again, we're not going to be able to cover every piece of this rubric, but the ones that we can cover, we will cover. So again, the score for MLA covers all of the paper. So if, even if they did MLA in two headings, 100% perfect, if the third heading is not so great, it's still, we're doing cumulative scores for this. And here's the hard thing. When you're writing papers like this, I can tell if you've left it all to the last minute and you haven't broken it up, because by the end of that third heading, your writing starts to get real poopy. You're just running out of steam. You're getting tired, right? So that's why I say break up the information, give yourself little blocks of time, use the Pomodoro method so you're not trying to do it all in one big chunk. You, when you get to be an awesome writer after 2015, you might be able to tackle a paper like this pretty quickly. But until you're awesome at it, give yourself the time and the brain breaks necessary. Start in advance. Don't put yourself in a position where you're writing four academic writing pages in one night. It's just not smart, right? Again, you'll probably get in that situation later in college, but you'll be super good at it. So it won't be BS. You'll have the skills you need to, to do that, okay? Um, <clears throat> give them a score on MLA. Then uh, we're moving on to the contents of the headings. Minimum, bare minimum, what Weber State puts a lot of emphasis on the structure of your writing. I have taken care of the structure of your writing because you're just not ready to focus on structure plus content. You're just not, right? So I take care of the structure stuff with you. And the way that I take care of the structure stuff with you is by having really clear handouts that help you with that, right? So we have the general outline that structures the entire paper. Everything should appear in the order that I give it to you. Not because I'm trying to micromanage your life, but because I took their assignment description and put it into graphic organizer form so it's more easily understandable for you. Okay, so you can see that this is what the whole paper should be organized like and then the three headings should each be organized in this formula. Okay, so get these two papers out 
And before we even go any further, I need you to take a second to double check that each of the three headings follows this clear section. And what I want you to do is take out, what we're doing right now is called reverse outlining. It's a really awesome skill. So what I want you to do is see how there's heading introduction, source one, source two intro, synthesis and wrap up. I want you with your writing utensil on the side of each paragraph or each section, use brackets. And for heading number one, I literally want you to say, like in the margin, I want you to be able to say intro, heading intro, right? And then go to source one introduction. So basically you're just reverse outlining their paper. So you, here there's two reasons that we do this. There's two reasons that we do this. We do this because you're reinforcing that they have the correct structure, but then when your friend gets their paper back, if you have put a different spot than they meant for that section, then they know that their structure wasn't clear enough. They know that their structure wasn't going great for them. So then I want you to identify the synthesis section and within the synthesis, this is really important, within the synthesis, I need you to identify the comparisons and the differences. Okay? And then people really struggle with this wrap up and they get, they have a hard time separating the synthesis with the heading wrap up. So I want to see a separate paragraph that is the heading wrap up. So I want you to go through each. Uh oh. I can't spell at all, but especially while I'm writing, I can't. I want you to go through each of the three headings and literally label what you think is their structure from this green page. Bless you. Yeah. Oh, whose is it? Jacob, did you did you do? You didn't add your first heading on there. Oh, okay, okay. So just do it with those two. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. So take out this paper. I just need you to reverse outline. Be very clear on labeling where you think each section starts. It's super, super helpful for you and for the person whose paper you're grading. Yeah. Can I have my papers? No. <laughs>
Okay, so I'm looking for you to wrap that up. And now we're gonna take a look at the parts of the headings, okay? So again, the most important part of the heading, by far the most important part of the heading is this synthesis part. So focus mostly on the last two headings because the first one, technically we looked at it. So focus on the last two headings and get out a new color of highlighter and I need you to ask yourself, are there two connections? Are there two differences? And are those connections and differences specific, detailed, nuanced, and elevated? Right? So get out your highlighter and differentiate the two connections from the two differences in the final two headings. Make sure that they're there. Again, they're the most heavily graded part of this paper for good reason. This is where the higher level thinking comes into play. That's why we put so much time and effort into introducing our sources and to summarizing our sources. And we can integrate quotes into the synthesis section or we can integrate quotes into the introduction part for each source. But all of the quotes, all of the introductions, all of the organization, all of that serves to set up the stage for you to talk about the comparisons and the differences between the sources. That's the meat of the paper. That's where your higher level thinking comes into play. It's super duper important. So double check, highlight two similarities and two differences under heading two and heading three. No, 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 no. Remember this outline is king. Yeah, it's super clear for each heading. There should be two differences and two similarities mentioned in each heading. So in the whole paper, six connections and six differences should be highlighted, right? But you're just looking at the last two headings because technically we've gone over this in heading number one. If you have extra time, go back and look at it in heading number one as well. But hopefully, not hopefully, they definitely should have gone and fixed heading number one according to the peer review feedback that they received from last time before they wrote headings two and three. doesn't do any good for you to highlight a difference that's like these two articles are different because one is a podcast and one is a scholarly journal article 
Yeah, sure, that's a difference, but it's not a difference that helps illuminate the larger conversation, right? So it's not enough just to highlight a difference. It has to be a difference and a connection that give me more information about the conversation as a whole, right? So it, it's got to be nuanced, it's got to be in-depth, and it's got to be thoughtful. Did you have a question? Yeah, so on their synthesis, should they have two separate paragraphs? Um, I don't so much care how you structure it, but if it were me, yes. And here's my reason for that. If a teacher gives you an outline like this, I would make sure there's a paragraph for everything on this outline. Why? Because I like to help people find my A that I deserve. Right? And sometimes when you devote a whole paragraph to that thing that they asked for, it's easy for them to just, again, find the A that I know that I deserve. Right? So structure in a way that directly mirrors what you're being asked to do. If a teacher took the time to give you that structure, you best be making sure that structure is gospel. But unfortunately, you will have a lot of teachers who don't have a writing background. Your science teacher is literally just going to say to you, I need a six-page paper on this topic in APA. Bye. Right? And then they won't mention it again until it's due in two weeks. That's all of the help that you're going to get. But that's why you have this class. This class is meant to help you learn how to structure that, learn how to interpret that assignment instruction, and then deliver something awesome. So very few teachers are going to give you as much guidance and structure as I do. So, but don't get used to the guidance and structure. Take it and use it as a template that you're going to create that guidance and structure for yourself later on down the line when you don't have me with you. Just like I will be living rent-free in your head for the rest of at least your college career. You'll hear my voice being like, is that a nuanced and detailed comparison? Is it though? Or you'll hear me in your head being like, no floor punctuation till after citation. You know what I mean? And it probably won't be that cool and calm tone of voice. It'll be more like my yelly side. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one. <laughs> Don't worry. I know full well that you're going to be thinking about the things for long after I forget your name. You know what I'm saying? I don't forget my CE students' names, though. I'm going to be honest. Have a real hard time saying goodbye to the CE kids. We, we, we will have been through a lot together. You know what I mean? It's like trauma bonding in a way. I'm serious though. I mean it. We will have just been through a lot together. We'll be like comrades in battle. It's the truth though. You just wait till senioritis sets in and you're trying to write a paper like this. Yeah, when it sets in, because <laughs> for some of you it already has. Believe me, I can tell. Yeah, I can tell. It comes in waves, you know. But you know it's midterm next week, right? There was no break. Yeah, there's no <laughs> midterm is next week. The deadline to turn in stuff for midterm assignments close from the beginning of term two till midterm assignments close on the seventh on Tuesday. Yeah. Midterm's coming up. Midterm is next week. Yeah. Midterm is next week. The deadline is Tuesday at midnight. 
So if you want to submit missing assignments or redo any assignments, <laughs> the deadline is Tuesday, this Tuesday, not next Tuesday, this Tuesday at midnight. Next week, oh boy, okay. I sent you an email. Yeah. Did you see it? Yeah. You, you, you may or may not have received scary emails from me in the past couple of days. Yeah. <laughs> you get it. Uh, speaking of those scary emails... <laughs> The withdraw deadline for this class is on the 10th. So you can't drop it, right? It's forever on your transcripts now because you missed the drop deadline. But if you want to withdraw now, you will have a W on your transcripts, which isn't the end of the world. It's not great. It doesn't look great, but it's not the end of the world. You will have a W on your transcripts, right? A W stands for withdraw. That means on your college transcripts, it'll be clear that you have withdrawn from a class late into the semester so a lot can be guessed from that and your college might ask you why you did that um, one w is not an issue but if you start to get multiple w's you're, you're going to look like a risk to a college institution so just be careful with that yeah so the deadline for that is the 10th so you know contemplate your future accordingly yeah Okay, so we've done that thing. Some of you, it looks like you're still doing the things. You looked at the connections. Why do you have confusion face? I don't. You don't? Are you sure? Yeah, Because this is the time to talk through it if you do. No, no, no. Okay. Okay. So from here on out, now we're going to start to get to the nitty-gritty of how they introduce stuff. So go to headings two and three, and I want you to get out your college level writing checklist, headings two and three. They should have a minimum of two sources introduced in both headings two and three. And I just need you to double check that they have all of the source introduction information for all four sources in headings two and three, okay? And so the information that they need to have is on the th a third section down on the college level writing checklist. And then I want you to take out this white college level writing checklist that I made for you and just use this checklist to help them know whether or not they have that stuff. Okay? So go through all three headings if you have time and double check that they have uh, the author's full name the first time. And then go through all three headings and double check that they have the author's credibility mentioned briefly. So just go through that checklist for all three and let them know whether or not they're missing any of that information in any of their three headings. It's super important. The biggest mistake I find is that they introduce the title of the source once and then they keep using the title of the source instead of the author's last name to refer to that source thereafter. The other big mistake I see is that you introduce that the source was an article, but we have to be specific about what kind of article, because depending on the type of article, you either did the assignment right or super duper wrong. So article is not enough of a description of a source type. It needs to be scholarly journal article. So go through each one of those checklist items and make sure they have all of those six times. The other thing is, I'm getting people asking me, what if you want to have one source under two headings? So you have one source mentioned in heading number one, and then you mention that same source again in heading number three. That's okay, but don't reintroduce 
that source a second time. Your paper, we're looking at it holistically. You only introduce it one time, even if it's mentioned again in another heading. The first time you introduce it, you do all of the things. Every time that you use it thereafter, even if it's in a different heading, you still just refer to that source by the author's last name. So if you're in, you know, heading three and you're using, you're mentioning a source that you've already mentioned before, that introduction part might be significantly shorter than the other source introduction sections. That's okay. So again, we're taking a look at all the checklist items, making sure they're all there for all six sources. Marking it off on the white checklist that I handed out to you so they know that it's there. Highlight each component so they know that you've looked at it. So technically you're looking for one, two, three, four, five, and then six things that they need to introduce that source. And I need you to be meticulous about this. I need you to literally go through each source introduction and literally make sure that they have it. Because again, this is going to be their last checkpoint. And being able to introduce a source formally and appropriately is a big part of the score on this paper. So the next thing I want to look at, get out your quote sandwich structure page. That's the green paper there. It's another lime green paper. So the quote sandwich structure is really important. A couple things I want you to check is that they have all of the quote introductory information. Look right before the quote. We still have a lot of people before the quote not giving a correct introductory phrase. Hi, friend. They are doing like a, a test thing. I don't, I you don't need don't people? Sarah Bella in here? Not here today. Hmm. Sorry. Okay, um, okay, so we have, here's, here's the in part of a quote where the, it has all of the introductory top bun information, but it's missing an introductory phrase. It's not saying who said the thing. So I have a lot of people pulling this. Smith makes statements regarding parental sadness. That's just a sentence, right? It's not indicating that someone is saying a quote or that a quote is coming next. So you need to use indicator introductory phrases. So here's the same thing, but notice how it works much better. Smith makes statements regarding parental sadness stating that. So this top sentence doesn't work because you're still not technically saying that Smith said that thing, the quote that's coming up. So yeah, you have this two parts of the top bun information, but you still need this introductory phrase and you can do it in two ways. Use the word that and don't put a comma after it, lowercase the first word of the quote, or use the word stating or any annotative verb. Don't put the word that in it, put a comma and then capitalize the first letter of the quote. Those are introductory phrases. Yeah. Like 
That's great. Yeah. So it could look, what, what she was just describing is this, and I will show you what that looks like. Smith makes statements regarding parental sadness. She's saying that the person put a period here, which is fine. It feels cleaner. And instead of put stating Smith, this is fine too. Like if you put all the introductory information in a previous sentence and then just start the sentence with the introductory phrase, that's fine too. Totally fine. Um, it's always best to be specific because, again, she could mean three other authors in your paper, technically. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's not wrong to put she states. It can just get confusing, and I want you to get used to being very specific instead of using vague pronouns. I would mark it as a vague pronoun if I were grading it. Yeah. Um, oh, sorry. It's back there first. Yeah. Um, yeah, so you're talking about subject verb agreement. Here's the incorrect and the correct for that. So an article titled Parenting Sucks by Hernandez et al. discusses. Is it discusses or is it discuss? So the way that this sentence is structured, an article is the noun that we're referring to. Titled Parenting Sucks by Hernandez et al. discusses the difficulties. Can an article discuss anything? No, it's inanimate. But if you were going to create the sentence this way, then the et al requires you, doesn't factor in at all. It's just an apositive phrase renaming the noun. It's plural. However, if you say that Hernandez and others, now we have a plural noun, discusses, that's incorrect. So if we have a plural noun, Hernandez and others, then the verb needs to be singular. So this is the correct one. So if we were talking about like the people that made it, it, it said like, was it, if it was referring to one of the specific peoples, would they need to reference their names? Um, you should never really be referring to one of the specific people in your source unless it's like one of the interviewees. So, just like, um, so again, the rule is always if the noun or the author is singular, then what they're doing, or the verb, is plural. If the noun, the people who are creating that thing, is plural, like and others, or two people, then the thing that they're doing, the verb, is, sorry, if, it's sing if the noun is singular, then the verb is plural. Okay, thank you. Yeah. When you're doing your in-text citation for an interview, should it be the interviewer's last name or the interviewee? So think about the purpose of the in-text citation. The in-text citation is meant to refer to the works cited page mm -hmm. and should always appear like the first thing that's listed on the works cited citation should be what's in your... So in the, on the works cited page, you listed the person you interviewed in the author position because it's their ideas that you're focusing on. So whatever's there for that citation needs to appear in your in-text citation. Does that make sense? Yes. Keep in mind that those in-text citations are just references for the works cited page, yeah. Okay, sorry, just to go off Kennedy's question. Um, so basically, if you do, Hernandez et al. describes this. It's described. Like, describe this, mm -hmm. and then comma, and then they, would you be like, they also discuss? Yes. Not she? Oh, they definitely they, always okay. they. So that's why we see at all with our eyes, but our mind says, and others. Okay. Saying and others in your mind 
will help you get the right subject verb agreement for that and continue the correct subject verb agreement throughout the sentence. It's confusion for sure. Yeah. Yeah. They represent. But then they, um, when they're, they use both as a Google sentence. <clears throat> so, no, it, just keep referring to the authors. I know it's confusing, like especially that situation is confusing. Keep referring to the authors. Yeah. Other questions about that? It can get clunky for sure. But again, once you know this and it's in your soul, you're never going to need this issue again. And I have students come back to me being like, my professor is 100% sure that I'm a genius. And I'm not. They just, people should learn this. And it's part of 1010 and 2010. But they don't. And then you're going to college with schmoes who have never learned this. And all of a sudden, you look like a genius by comparison. And you're welcome. You're welcome. You're going to be so great. I promise. People are going to think you're brilliant. You're welcome. I can do that. Yeah, totally. So uh, here's the thing with the quotes. They need to be no longer than two cumulative typewritten lines, right, Caden? Two or Kate. Why do I keep? I'm sorry. There's a kid who sits there that has Caden, and so I get it wrong. I'm sorry. I, I value you as an individual human being. I'm sorry. I got your name wrong. Anywho, listen. We're focused. Here's the thing. The quote that they took from the text has to be no longer than two typewritten lines. Okay, that's cumulative. So it's half of the first line, all of the second line, and half of the third line. That's okay. Cumulative two typewritten lines. If it's longer than that, they can't have it. We got to drain out the parts of the sentence or the quote that we don't need using ellipses. Yeah? Um, how long should a quote be? Like, it can't be more than like half a page or a full page? Or not a quote, I'm a, a paragraph. It, uh, we're not so much worried about that. The paragraphs, the purpose of a paragraph is to separate categories of information. Yeah. And as long as you're using it that, for that purpose, I won't nitpick about the length of it. Okay. The only thing is that a paragraph should be more than three sentences. Like it can't be too short. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Too long is not so much of a worry, but if it's super long, I'll probably say, hey, you probably could have broken this up here to differentiate the information for the reader a little bit better. So far, so good. So double check that their quotes are the right length. And then double check the bottom bun of the quotes. I have a little, uh, the quote sandwich information up here on the board. And it's also on your quote sandwich info on a paper. So the other thing I need you to do, we have a few minutes left in class. I want to leave the last five minutes for you to talk to your things. People, I've partnered up your papers, so you can just go straight to the person and you can talk about each other's papers. So here's the thing. 
Before that happens, I want you to go through the college level writing checklist and give it a good old check. And I really do, and I know this sounds extra. Believe me, I understand what it sounds like. But until you get these skills into the marrow of your bones and they become muscle memory for you, right? You have to go through every line of this college level writing checklist and read your paper with that line in mind the whole time. So I literally do, and I know this sounds bonkers, but I literally do mean for you to go through your paper as many times as there are lines or rows on this college level writing checklist. Again, I, I understand what it sounds like, but until you are that level of meticulous with your writing, you're never going to devote these skills and convert these skills into muscle memory. You gotta go, and, and you'll start to notice soon, you'll start incorporating these skills as you're writing and you won't have to go back and fix it. But until then, you have to make your body and your mind aware of the mistakes that you're making. You have to be very, very meticulous about it. And I know some of you are not used to being meticulous about every word that appears on a page with your name on it. But until you learn how to do that, you're never gonna get better. It sucks, I know. But sometimes hard work is just what's necessary to be excellent. That's just the bottom line. Yeah. Um, and then what should we check off? Like what box? So the things on the rubric that we're checking off are as follows. First, there's little introductions for each. Can I see the rubric there real quick? The white one right there. Thank you so much. Other one. Yeah, that one. Thank you so much. I just have to stay here because the phone is dying in the recording. You get it. Um, so titles and introductions, obviously we're not grading the overall introduction, but we are grading the individual introductions for each heading. Then the source selection and integration, that's how you've introduced each source and contextualized each source and summarized that source in an unbiased way. And it's clear why you included that source in your paper and in that heading. Then give them a score for quote integration. Again, quotes from each source are masterfully selected. They actually add to the like analysis of the paper and they're effectively sandwiched using the quote sandwich formula. Then connections between sources is where you're grading that synthesis section. Two clear and specific connections, two clear and specific disagreements. And then the organization and transitions, the organization means did they follow the structure that they were given, the, one, the heading structure that I gave them, did they use transition words and phrases, minimum at the beginning of each paragraph, but also at the end of each quote, moving into the bottom bun of the quote sandwich as well. And then the wrap-ups, they should have a wrap-up or a little scotch of a mini conclusion for each heading. So those are the things you're grading. We can't grade overall conclusion but you can grade formality, style, and bias. So if they sound biased in any way, you can give them a grade for that. Formality, is their writing elevated? Are their word choices elevated in college level? Have they avoided contractions or any other informal things like second person or first person references, uh, rhetorical questions, all that fun stuff. Conventions, are they making grammatical errors that should have been fixed with uh, Grammarly? and then MLA formatting and citation. So you can technically give them a score for everything but areas for further inquiry and overall conclusion. Thank you so much. So give them a score and then I want you to go to their face, to their face and talk about it. 
first, you're still reading through for the college level writing checklist, making sure you're checking all those things for them. But I really want you guys to have an in-depth conversation where you're giving feedback in an emotionally intelligent way, right? You're giving feedback because again, this is their last checkpoint for those headings. The thing that we're gonna peer review next time is the conclusion and the introduction and the areas for the inquiry. So make sure that they understand that they're walking out that door today with a clear understanding of where they need to improve and you should be going back and revising your headings one, two, and three before you write your overall introduction, areas of further inquiry, and conclusion. So revise according to the feedback today, today, and then with your revised work, write a gorgeous introduction that encapsulates everything, write a gorgeous conclusion that encapsulates, but don't do any of that until you've revised. So far so good? Question. Can they have more than six quotes? They can have more than six quotes um, if they really, if like if their heart really, really needed them to. But once you're getting past like one or two quotes per source, you're just starting to pad your paper with other people's words. So if they have more than six quotes, their page count should go up. Their minimum page count should go up. Does that make sense? So you can't use quotes to pad your paper. If you feel like the quote needs to be there, just know that the length of your paper needs to be a bit longer to make a consideration for that. Does that make sense? You can't just use the quotes to meet the word minimum or the page count minimum. What's the page count? Page count minimum is six to eight pages, doesn't include the works cited page. So the document that you submit to me should be a minimum of seven pages long. That's minimum. But again, you shouldn't have any problem. Most of you are at seven pages already and you haven't even finished the paper, right? So no, don't fret. Again, that guarantee I make for you is if you follow that, Heading the, way, the outline the way I told you, you should have no problem meeting that minimum unless you skipped major important parts. So go talk to your friend. I've paired you up so you guys can just have a cute little conference together like a parent-teacher conference.